0: The Nail in the Coffin. Welcome to The Nail in the Coffin. It's Thursday night. I'm Tom. He is Travis. Uh, Trav, we missed you on Tuesday. I was. Talking a little bit of maction with uh, our old pal Jason Arkley from uh, the Athens Messenger, but uh, good to have you back in the saddle tonight. You got the uh, the car all squared away?
1: Oh yeah, I'm back in the saddle. Um, I, I, I'll say though, I'm a little uh, a little hesitant to use maction for anything other than random midweek football, but <laughs> I suppose in this instance we'll let it slide for this week only.
0: You know, they dabbled, I don't know if it was the league itself or it was uh, the the Hustle Belt website um, that covers the back, but they, they dabbled with some sort of variation on Maction for basketball and it just did not catch on. So uh, yeah, Maction is a year-round phenomenon now, but uh, it's actually go. yeah going on now. I think they're about to get rolling with the fourth game of the day. Yeah. Um, I peeked in a little bit this afternoon, and uh, it's been all chalk so far uh, today at the Q, but uh, I figured that uh, while uh, the Mac has taken over of uh, Loans Arena, we got the Cavs out on the road for six and uh, had the first game last night. Did you stay up and watch uh, the game in Denver?
1: I did, actually. I did. Um, I'm sort of living that bachelor life right now. I feel like I'm... Uh, on summer break from college again staying up late every night um but yeah i figured what the hell i went for it pretty fun little game
0: you know it was i first of all let me just say that a game being played in the mountain time zone at ten thirty eastern time on a weeknight is just absolutely criminal um no, no need for that and i was a little nervous there at, at times in that second half when Dever started putting the run on i'm like the last thing i really want is to be staying up late and waking up pissed off cuz we couldn't nail this thing down but uh LeBron coming through at the end uh always a joy to watch but um yeah, I don't know what to, it's it's been a couple of weeks since we've talked Cavs and, and things are kind of settling in a little bit. I think the honeymoon period's over. What uh, what have you made of uh the new guys here?
1: Well, I think Larry Nance might be setting an unrealistic bar for himself. Um for the rest of the season. I think if he's, he obviously came out his first start and went nuts. I think what he finished with 22 and 15 or something, both career highs followed up with 13 and 13 last night. Um, so he's putting on double doubles and he's, and he's looking like he's fitting in perfectly and he's making everybody wonder, you know, any possible way we can extend Tristan stay on the DL. Um, but I think if you're expecting this from Larry Nance, game in and game out, that might be a little unfair to him, but definitely nice to see what he can bring to the table. Um, the other three guys have all sort of been, I think, sort of up and down. They've all contributed a lot at times. Um, I think George Hill had 20-something the other night. Um, Rodney Hood had a nice game last night. So, I mean, they're all chipping in at times. Um, you kind of just hope that as the season goes on, they make it you know, a little more consistent let's let's talk a little bit
0: more about Larry Nance. I'm glad you started with him because I was thinking about this today and I had this sinking feeling that uh, you being someone uh, who listens to a lot of local sports talk radio, you, uh, you need to brace yourself because I think we're a couple weeks away for getting some absolutely awful calls and mass on uh, the local sports talk stations. Uh, with the way that this is playing out so far.
1: Um, oh, I don't – It's it hasn't taken that long. <laughs> they're, it's they're going to get worse.
0: I'm, I'm telling you right now, uh, Tristan, I think as we all know, has been one of these guys that I think even at his best has never been fully appreciated and embraced by the casual fans in town. And I think at the exact opposite end of that, you've got Larry Nance, who, by the way, is – as you said, has had a, a phenomenal start. I think of the four guys who've come in here, uh, he's been clearly the, the one paying the most dividends. And, you know, since moving into the starting lineup, it's been great. But uh, this is a guy that I think casual fans had a real natural reason to gravitate towards just because of his dad playing here. And you got the cool story with him wearing his dad's number and, um, you know, just
1: I'll a- give you at least one, you know, highlight dunk every night, like, fun player to watch exactly he's
0: got all that going for him and so you got the guy that is easy to like playing really well and meanwhile the guy who was basically made his living off of doing the dirty work and you know probably not fully appreciated not having uh the best go of it um when he comes back if uh, if, if nance keeps this up and Tristan, you know, is healthy and ready to roll. And if they move him back into the starting lineup, I it's going to be real interesting to see what happens. Um, you know, there's that stat. I think I saw the Cavs are like 19-3 this year when Tristan doesn't play. I mean, that's, I. you know, everybody always wants to jump and say small sample size, but at a certain point, I mean, that's, that's a over a quarter of the season.
1: <laughs> <laughs> that's a pretty damning number. And I think I don't remember what exactly the percentage is without him, but – yeah, his it, it just looking at the numbers, and you kind of you know you kind of hesitate to bash Tristan too much because he's been a big contributor for a long time. But um, just looking at numbers did not make him look very good. I mean, not the, complimentary.
0: The thing with Tristan, and you know, you hear people, it drives me nuts. You know, oh that eighty million dollar contract, and I think we've been over that on here before. And I know uh, I regrettably fell into a Facebook argument about this uh, about a month ago. But at the time that that deal was signed and, you know, even now, I mean, the Cavs are in the same cap situation. It's it's him or it's nobody. And, you know, he signed that, I believe that was the fall before they ended up winning the title. That was, you know, October of 2015. So, you know, he goes on that season to being probably the third most important guy on that championship team. I mean, you could make a case it was him or Kevin Love, and and Love missed some games in the middle of that finals, and Tristan was enormous. And he's still, what, 26, 27? So, I mean, he should only just be now entering his prime. So when you're figuring it, like, the time that he was signed to that deal – and how valuable he was and, you know, his versatility and being able to defend guards and switch on pick and rolls and, you know, rebounding at both ends of the floor and, and just all that kind of stuff that he could bring it. uh I think that contract is extremely justifiable and, and I, it just drives me nuts. I, I don't want to get into a, uh, too much on, you know, a, a deal that was signed that long ago, but you know, it, it I think that, in retrospect now as we see him you know with the injuries i mean he, he, i don't think he's been right for over a year now is that
1: fair to say um i don't know if that's i don't know if it's true or not it's definitely not um you can definitely make the, the the argument and and guess that that might be an issue i don't know if that's the case or not but it would explain some things but yeah anyone who has a problem with the contract i think just kind of doesn't really understand how the NBA salary cap works and, you know, life in the luxury tax, like that's, that's how it is. You, you don't, would you take Tristan Thompson being overpaid or some, you know, guy on the veteran minimum? Cause those are your options. Um, so I, I think the deal, even in hindsight, in comparison to other deals that other guys are getting the deal wasn't that bad so i think on the surface people hear that number and they're like really that much for tristan thompson but in the grand scheme i'm with you i think it it was it was the right decision to make and the deal's not really as bad as people kind of tend to make it out to be
0: and it felt like the first half of last year he looked real strong but playing center all season and not really having a second viable big man for the majority of the year uh it it put a lot of wear on On him last season, and we saw him break down towards the end of the year, and he had that long consecutive game streak finally come to an end, and, you know, he's been dinged up a few times. He missed a pretty significant number of games at the beginning of this year, and now he's out for a couple weeks again, and you just kind of hope that, you know, he heals up here and, and comes back refreshed and reloaded for the this you know, final couple of weeks of the regular season and, and into the playoffs. Because here's the thing, whether, you know, you, you like watching Larry Nance more or you like watching Tristan Thompson more, if you want to see the Cavs uh, have
1: well, okay, I'll just stop you right there. Nobody likes watching Tristan Thompson more, regardless of what. <laughs> he, he may bring things on, you know, he may bring things that, that Larry Nance doesn't do. Nobody likes watching him. Fair. Just the style that he plays is not a fun type of basketball to watch. Right, well, not if you, if you think he
0: down. should be starting or you think Nance should be starting whoever um, All right, you, you know you, you want to go with in that debate uh, the fact of the matter is you're going to need both of them playing at their best if you want to have any hope of doing anything in June and, and I and I just I would encourage anybody who's you know following this team that uh, don't lose sight of that you know you could be pro Larry Nance and not have to be anti-Tristan Thompson in the process
1: oh yeah I mean Tristan Thompson's regardless of what you think the team looks like now. And if you think Larry Nance deserves some of his minutes, okay. Um, but there's definitely a place on the team for him. Um, and he's a guy that I'm confident at some point you're going to be glad you have him. You know, I don't know when that will be and what the context will be of it, but he's, he's not, you know, he's not just some, some schmuck that doesn't deserve to be on the floor. Um, I think it will be interesting to see sort of how the minutes get divvied up between the two of them um, going forward. And when he comes back, sort of see how he, if his role has changed, how he reacclimates to that role.
0: Back to, back to Larry Nance. It's fascinating to me to see how seamlessly he's fit in with the starting lineup. And just the impact that he has. And I don't know if you're watching the game last night on FSO or ESPN, but listening to Doris Burke and Chauncey Phillips just talk about...
1: The game was on ESPN last night? It was. God damn it. Why don't you tell me these things? You pay (laughs) attention to this. I just go to 1734 and I listen to Austin Carr stumble over... Uh, you know, wham with the right hand or whatever they do oh, these days. Yes,
0: yes, yes. They did a good yes. job. Okay.
1: Um. Oh yeah, yeah. Throws the hammer down. Yeah, I know. I know. All right. <laughs> All Come your favorite day, hits, day, but...
0: but no, I will tell you what. The uh, the Dave Pash, Doris Burke, and Chauncey oh. Billups uh, booth last night on ESPN. I would not argue with uh, getting to hear them several more times. It was it was a nice combo, and just listening to the two analysts on that group. Talking about what Larry Nance was able to do and and the impact that he has, um, it was really interesting. and, And, you know, he kind of brings a different dynamic to the Cavs lineup that you didn't really see before in terms of how defenses have to account for him. And uh, the the term that I, I keep hearing all the basketball heads on, on Twitter using this year that I've, I've picked up this season. And I love so much the gravity that he has on the floor in terms of how the defenders get drawn to him and they have to pay attention to him. And it opens up lanes for other guys. Um, you know, I don't think it's an accident again, small sample size alert, but the the net rating for the Cavs right now, when LeBron and Larry Nance share the floor, is plus 21. So they're outscoring their opponents by 21 points per 100 possessions, which is freaking incredible. Um, You know, you can't keep that number up forever, but uh, it certainly speaks a lot to, you know, what those two guys can do together, and I think that's something that's really exciting to be uh, looking forward to here as we go along.
1: Yeah, I mean, if if the guy that we've seen the last couple games is what you should expect on a night in night out basis, that's that's huge. Um, I don't I don't know if that's fair or realistic, but the way he's the way he kind of just jumped into that role and it, I mean, just fit in perfectly since he jumped in there. Um, got to be excited not a whole lot more really to expand upon there just he's done everything that's that you know you could expect of him and yeah I guess that's that's kind of it I think for him he's it's pretty straightforward because I don't know how much I don't know how I think people heard the name and didn't really know what to actually expect from the player they thought it was cool that Larry Nance's kid was going to complain. they knew that he could dunk and stuff like that but I don't think people really knew what to expect because he wasn't even starting on L.A um so you know it was sort of like well is he is he any good right now what's the deal with him and he's definitely exceeded expectations
0: absolutely um and I I I can't let it go without at least mentioning it here one more time just what a joy it was to watch LeBron in the final two minutes of that game last night and the degree of difficulty on some of those fadeaway shots towards the baseline that he was knocking down and you could just kind of tell when he gets locked in and, and kind of senses the moment where he can go for the kill and he can, you know, step it up a notch. And I think it'd be kind of quiet scoring wise for a good portion of the second half. But, uh, not, I, think I might,
1: yeah, I might be wrong on this. Go ahead. Again, yeah, nine in the last nine in the, the last nine points of the game, nine in the last two minutes. Right. And I don't think like, I don't know that there, he makes it look like it's a shot that he's clearly worked on. A ton. I don't think there's anybody else in the league that can make that shot as consistently as he can. There's certainly no one trying it as often as he does. Um, I don't think people – I don't know that most people have a true appreciation for how difficult that shot actually is um, because he does it so often.
0: Right. Yeah, it's it, it's absurd. I mean, his numbers this year in, in general are absurd. It, you know, you've heard mentioned a bunch of times the triple-double for the month of February, but for the season, he's at 27-9-8, and eight, and he's shooting better than 50% from the floor. I mean, and he's in his 15th season in the league. It's, it's obscene.
1: So. Also of note, like this time last year when we were recording this, we were talking about how, you know, over his career, LeBron always seems to – kick it into high gear and just dominate February's. And last year we said, you know, this is one of his best. He's looked as good as ever. And he somehow managed to outdo himself again this year. Um, I don't know what it is about February, but uh, yeah, more of the same. So great. So freaking great. All right. And it, yeah. I mean, it just made really what it, it, it's one of those things we always wonder, well, can he continue to turn it on late in the season and what it looks like? what we've seen so far is what we're used to seeing from him. So hopefully that's a good sign of things to come as well.
0: We're going to need more, but, uh, and not from him, not, I mean, from him, obviously that goes without saying, but, uh, I mean, the, the rest of these guys are going to have to kind of settle in, you know, we're seeing it in fits and starts and it's been kind of fun the last couple games, but I mean, there were the two home games that I was at in the last couple weeks where things didn't go so well. Um, and, you know, that's another thing with putting Larry Nance in the starting lineup. I've been one of those guys that, you know, I don't really care who starts. It's more about who's playing in crunch time. Um, but I think is what we've seen with the Cavs is getting off to good starts kind of matters because those last two Thursdays they played, they lost to Washington and they lost to the Sixers, and they got far behind. You know, they, they fell behind early. They, they dug themselves a hole and, you know, fought back but could never get over the hump. And these last couple games – um, you know, it's been a lot different story. They they've been very strong out of the gate, and it's changed the whole tenor of the of the game. So, um, you know, something to keep an eye on moving forward.
1: Yep, absolutely.
0: Where do you want to go next? We got uh got some Browns uh, draft stuff going on. I I know you had some thoughts about uh, the opening day ticket process for our our Cleveland Indians and. Anything else on your mind? Go ahead.
1: Let's go Browns. Let's all go right. Browns. Let's jump right into it. I'll save the Indians for the for the finale.
0: Fair enough. What uh, you know, we I, another day and another rumor, and it feels like this has been Saquon Barkley week. Um, you know, you, you we've got what four months between the end of the regular season and the start of the draft. So, I, I as I've said all along, if you just wait long enough. Every player in uh, consideration at the top of the draft is going to be linked to the Browns at some point.
2: Do you? Do
1: I've you... got so, so there's a whole bunch of different policies or or you know ideas or strategies that are getting thrown out, and basically everything that I hear, I throw into a bucket. Either yes, you can do that, or no, you can't do that. Yes, you can um, draft a quarterback one. No, it can't be Josh Allen. Yes, you can draft Saquon Barkley. If you do draft Saquon Barkley, you can't draft a quarterback at four. Um, Everybody's sort of all over the place in the hot topic lately since the combine because he went out and just killed it is take Saquon Barkley at one and let, you know, pick your quarterback of whoever's there at four, which to me is the like most mind bogglingly dumb strategy I've ever heard. Um especially from Cleveland fans who have been so quarterback hungry for the last 15 years. Right. So I don't really get it. Like if a guy is good enough to take it four, you take him at one, you don't mess around and say, you know, well, we'll see who's there. We think these three guys are about the same. So if we can get one of them, we're fine. No, then you didn't do enough work and you didn't identify which one is the guy you want. If you're going to tell them if this, if you know, John Dorsey and team are going to come out and say, you know we didn't think any of these guys were worth it at one okay i don't necessarily agree but if they're not worth it at one they're not worth it at four either so i don't want to hear like take barkley cuz he's this playmaker and you can if one of those these three guys is there at four you take him no if one of them's worth it at four they're worth it at one pick the one you want and take him
0: so, I have two things about this that.
1: that you better agree with me.
0: I, I agree with everything you said. All right, said. all right, go ahead. Um, but no, I just, to kind of build on what you're saying, there's two things I would say. And number one is I think it's dangerous to take every single rumor you hear as gospel. I mean, there are agents who are trying to push certain players, you've got media members who are repped by the same agency as certain players who have a financial reason to push certain players. You know, you have teams that have reasons to float things out there just to see what kind of a reaction it triggers from other teams. You know, if all of a sudden the Browns get linked to Josh Allen, is that going to suddenly make other teams think, wow, you know, we might have a real shot at Darnold or Rosen and get on the horn with the Giants you know, at, at, at number two. um, Yeah, I, I think back to a story. I think it was on Grantland a few years ago or four Browns regimes ago. I've kind of lost count, but there was,
1: it was... <laughs> they was all the, just blur together. It
0: was the draft when the Browns front office had uh, Joe Banner and Lombardi and all those guys, and they ended up drafting Barkebius Mingo. and. <laughs> Yes. And and <laughs> Chuck Klosterman was embedded with the front office on the day of round one of the draft and got to follow him along up until like things actually got interesting. And then they locked him out of the room and the story just fell off a cliff. But what was hilarious through like the first two thirds of the day was these guys are reading the same websites and watching the same shows that all of us schmoes are using to keep up with all the you know what's going on in the league so i think there's like a real thing with teams floating bullshit stories out there to the media and and kind of playing chess in in that manner so
1: yeah i mean they have to because i don't know that they're not leaking things to each other
0: right exactly and and the other thing with this is i think if you're the browns you're especially incentivized to do that because you've got that fourth pick as well. You know, you you have a reason to kind of muddy the waters up ahead of that pick, and, you know, maybe you don't care as much. If they just had number one, maybe you don't go through quite as much of this because nobody's going to be able to leapfrog yet one. But you could be trying to set things up to, to break a certain way at four, and, you know, I, I know it's crazy to ever give the Browns credit for anything, but I will say, I think to this point, if they have a definitive plan in mind for what they want to do at the top of the draft, I think they've done a pretty good job of concealing that and throwing out enough misdirections and not tipping their hand.
1: I think like in years past when you're not when the Browns haven't been number one, right? It's always just kind of been the top the topic is always seems to be, well they're not gonna be able to get this quarterback should they stay where they're at, which is usually somewhere from, you know, four to eight. Um, or should they trade down, get more picks? And historically, they've always sort of traded down, right? And that's sort of just been the way that they've gone about it. Last year, they had the number one pick, and I'm not sure why exactly, Um, but it, it, everybody seemed to agree none of these quarterbacks were worth taking number one. So it was Miles Garrett, and there was zero suspense with that whatsoever. Um, I guess I... I don't. Do you think the quarterbacks this year are considerably better than, than Mahomes or Watson or Trubisky from last year? I I I don't know, but it seems weird to me that we're acting like they are considerably better, and I don't know if that's necessarily the case or why it played out differently last year.
0: I avoid trying to get into player evaluations at all costs, to be perfectly honest with you, because there are people that are a hell of a lot better at that than yeah, I, than that's I am. The thing that I feel good about, you know, is try my ability to suss out information and, and, you know, understand try to understand where teams are coming from and, you know, in judging information more than trying to like, I, I'm not somebody that's going to be sitting here looking at all 22. All right, are the quarterbacks this year – better than the guys last year i don't know but the one thing i will say is this we go through this with quarterbacks every single year And you know the quarterbacks last year you know the quarterbacks two years ago you know you spend enough time talking about these guys you're going to find reasons to pick them apart it's the most dissected position in all the sports and, you know, are the criticisms that we're hearing of the quarterbacks at the top of this class, really that different from what we heard about Jared Goff or Carson Wentz a couple of years ago, you know, or, or Deshaun Watson last year,
1: um, you know, the Brown. Well, it, it, here's my, here's my point though. We, we, right now there's four quarterbacks that are all widely rumored to be in the discussion, to be the number one pick this year, four of them Yep. last year not like it wasn't even a topic no one was projecting that maybe the browns will take one of these quarterbacks right like are like the that to me tells me that there should be a huge gap between the evaluations of these guys and the guys from last year and i just don't I, I i have a hard time buying that i don't know i don't know that that means anything like i don't know what what to take from that but it just seems odd to me that this year it's like which one of these four is going to be the one that they should take at one right or do they you know wait to pick one at four instead last year no one was even like mentioning the idea right
0: yeah and that is strange and i, I think the scenario from last year is certainly the minority I, I, you know, you're, that that's that's an exception. You're, you're not going to have that many years. I mean, you're not going to have a quarterback go first every single year. But there's going to be a quarterback that goes pretty close to the top, just about every year. <laughs> and really, I mean, you did have Trubisky go
1: what number? Trubisky two last went year? two. Yeah, right. Trubisky went two. So um, I don't remember where Mahomes went. He was top ten though. Okay. Yeah. So I mean, they, they still went fairly early, but it's just odd to me that. All these different guys' names are being thrown around as possible choices at one. Yeah. Um, but the weird thing is, they're all being thrown around as possible choices, but no one seems to be, like think that any of them are really that great. So I don't. I don't know. It's silly season. You never know what to believe from people. Obviously, it's just it's weird to me. I I can't wrap my head around the idea of. I guess just my biggest complaint is taking a quarterback at four. It's something I I won't. Yeah, to the, okay to the to the
0: crowd saying draft a uh, a running back draft Saquon Barkley number 1 and just take whichever quarterback is left over at 4. I would offer up this. I think back to the draft 2 years ago. Um you know, we've we've been hearing for 2 years now how the Browns blew it on not drafting Carson Wentz when they had the chance. Nobody gives a shit about them missing out on Zeke Elliott and they Mm -hmm. had every bit of the opportunity to get him at that position as well. You know, if you're in a position this year where you draft a quarterback and he turns out to be mediocre and Saquon Barkley goes two or three or four or wherever and ends up being great, I'll live with that. Mm -hmm. Because you, are, as a franchise, have not had a legit quarterback in 30 years. And...
1: And up until last year, you didn't have the opportunity to go take a quarterback right. since Tim Couch, really. Right. I mean, you've always sort of had to settle for second or third guy, and they've passed on those guys. And for right or wrong, yeah. plenty instances where they were right, plenty where they were wrong. Right. But you're finally in the driver's seat to evaluate all these guys who everyone says you know could be really good. You're in. You have the opportunity to go evaluate them and which one, and you know, decide which one you think. Fits the bill. take yeah, him. there's
0: there's no such thing as a sure thing. But if you're going to take a shot, you, you you just you have to take a shot on the quarterback. It's the most important position. You know, I I can't sit here as a Browns fan and live with the idea of them drafting a running back number one overall and seeing yet another quarterback that they could have drafted go light it up somewhere else. We we saw it with Carson Wentz. Deshaun Watson was off to a great start before he went down last year. Um, I I. It can't happen again, especially when you're at the top of the draft. Any other thoughts on the Browns?
1: Go go ahead. Yeah, I'll close with this. More than that, (coughs) the one thing that I keep hearing from everyone who's in the Saquon Barkley camp is, you know, none of these quarterbacks is Andrew Luck. If you're going to wait on Andrew Luck every year, you're going to be waiting a long time. Like, who was the last Andrew Luck before Andrew Luck? You know what's weird? And, those guys, those guys that are supposed to be, you know, can't miss quarterbacks. It's once like every 10 years, you know, right.
0: And, and I'm not yeah, disagreeing with what you're saying. You have to
1: be the saying. one drafting first in order to get it.
0: It's weird to me, though, that if you ever notice, like when people talk about, you know, they want to default to like the the quarterback who pans out at number one, it's always, well, you know, there's no Andrew Luck in this draft. There's no Peyton Manning. And there's like the same three or four quarterbacks. When was the last time you ever ever heard somebody say there's no Cam Newton at the top of the draft?
1: Well, Cam Newton had a lot of questions. There was a lot of question marks around him. He went number coming. one, and he's
0: taken his team to the playoffs multiple times, and, and he's gone to a Super Bowl. I, yeah,
1: I but would... he, was, he wasn't a guy that I, – I think people are just sort of saying, you know, he's pretty much a lock, can't, can't miss guy. There was a lot of questions about Cam Newton because he ran a lot in college. They weren't sure if he'd work in that sort of normal pro system. And, yeah, obviously – those people that may have doubted it were wrong and he's been awesome, but I don't, I don't know that as a prospect that it's really comparable.
0: Okay. That's fair. That's I mean, fair. yeah,
1: he's obviously exceeded expectations. He's been a great player. MVP wants the Super Bowl, all that stuff well worth that first overall pick. But when he was at this time, when he was, you know, coming out of Auburn, people wondered if his, the way that he played and in that sort of stuff would translate to the NFL. I don't, I don't know that that's, necessarily the argument people are making
0: all right i'll buy it what uh where you want to go next
1: all right let's do opening day (laughs) let's do it
0: boy i'm looking out my window right now there is nothing more that i want to think about than major league baseball because it uh, let's play
1: two i'll tell you i'm hoping that you know a month i think it's less than a month Uh, yeah it'll be four weeks from tomorrow I'm hoping four weeks from tomorrow the weather is identical, just so all those t- all those people that got opening day tickets get screwed. Oh, I'm um, bitter. But, but uh, somewhat, not really. Honestly, no, not really. I've just had way too much time on my hands for the last week. Um, so I think the Indians have botched the the ticket sales thing again. They've gotten somehow they've managed to get like worse. I feel like as the last few years have gone on and tickets have become more and more in demand. Um, there's, there was a big brouhaha because everybody got an email last week from the Indians saying, uh, you know, single game tickets will be going on sale on Tuesday. And then got an email on Monday that said, oh, yeah, opening day sold out. And everybody's sitting around wondering, well, how could you sell it out? It never went on sale to anybody. <laughs> um, season ticket holders snatched them all up. Um, and it seems there may have been one of those like exclusive, like selective, a few people got, uh, an access code or something to go get tickets, um, that happened on Monday and that was when it officially sold out. But, um, I don't know. There's an issue with me, the general fact that you're not gonna have any tickets for the biggest event in that, you know. Publicly owned stadium every every year, um, the people that, for the most part, fund that stadium won't have the chance to buy tickets. And uh, maybe that's that, maybe that's a little hollow in that the chances are slim anyways because they're usually sold out in two minutes and there's only a small percentage and this that and the other thing. um
0: I mean, you do have the same shot as anybody else. There's nothing stopping you. Uh, other than your checking account from becoming a season ticket holder, right?
1: Well, other than your checking account is kind of a big thing. Well, uh, well, there, sh- there shouldn't be a $1,000 uh, fee to, you know, set yourself up for the opportunity to get opening day tickets.
0: Right, but I'm just saying from the the, the whole, like, you know, taxpayer thing, I, uh, I don't know. I, I mean... That, that, see, of all the arguments, and, and that one holds less water for me, I guess. I
1: don't know. I don't remember who it was, but I saw someone bring it up that three or four years ago, the, in, the Indians said, you know, we're not going to pay for these improvements. Taxpayers need to pay for it because it's their stadium. They own it. Well, how do they not have any access then to get in, get in for, let's call it what it is. It's the single biggest event in that stadium every year.
0: No, the Indians, that actually, uh, no, because they – almost entirely funded the renovations with their their concessions vendor and there there was compared to the other stadiums in town that have undergone renovations they had far far less public money than the other ones did
1: don't bring up the other stadiums in town because i don't like them either
0: <laughs> okay but no that was actually it was kind of notable was they they largely funded that themselves i think we're gonna have to go get uh, our, our old pal Kevin Kleps uh, to to bring us the dollars and he cents. Did break on this. It,
1: he did break it down in Cranes this week, and I didn't. I saw that it was out there, and some of those things, I'm like, I gotta go read it. But I've
0: been all right. Well, you got some home painting you, huh? and
1: shit around the house, mm. but the fact of the, the the thing that will continue to bother me and the, the biggest problems I have with the way that the Indians do these things is the random guy who gets one season ticket but gets to buy four tickets for opening day or every playoff game or whatever the case is um and having zero whatsoever reserved for public sale even if it's a small number there shouldn't be a $1000 barrier to bu- to buying a ticket to opening day That's if you just fair. get unlucky and you know you you don't you aren't able to get them in time cuz you know ever all those other people got them before you whatever okay that's fine and maybe that's a little bit disingenuous because those the people that don't get them under that model are you know it's if there's whatever percentage it's still probably 99% of those people still don't get them right so that doesn't really solve the problem but from an optics standpoint and I hate using that word cuz I feel like people <laughs> have been using it way too much the last couple of years for whatever reason. Um, but from that standpoint, I just think it's kind of a bad look. It doesn't, you know, it, it, make, it makes it look, I don't know, it looks shitty on their part. I, I am think.
0: shocked that they didn't just set aside, even if it was a thousand tickets, just, I mean, hey, we, you know, nobody even has to know the exact number that they – yeah all you have
1: to do is say yeah exactly that's sort of a, my point. Hey, like, a limited
0: number of tickets are going to be on sale to the public on they sell Monday out three
1: minutes no one really cares or knows how yeah. many there It's were. like well
0: that sucks i didn't i didn't get through in time you know but you don't know how many were even at bailing. least
1: but everyone comes yeah and people will bitch about it that, that's the other thing and that's sort of where maybe i'm a little bit over dramatic about it is that people are going to bitch either way if you put public sale tickets on and every person that, you know, their computer froze up and they, you know, they were on there at 10 o'clock and I still didn't get any, they're going to bitch too. People are going to bitch no matter what. It doesn't really matter. Um, so maybe, I don't know, maybe it's really not all that bad. I just think if you can say, hey, we put some on sale to the public. Well, the
0: other thing about this that just kind of fascinates me is the disproportionate level of interest and demand around that game i understand i mean it's it's the opening the opener it's it's opening day it's an unofficial holiday around town and gives people an excuse to day drink on a weekday and that's all great but I've been to a bunch of these things. You're
1: really selling day drinking short there, my man. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not going to lie to you. You're really kind of poo pooing over the, uh, you can take a day off of work and drink.
0: Uh, you know what? Uh, that's, that's true. But you know, next, next Thursday, you could be taking a day off of work and, uh, saddling up and uh, heading on down to your favorite bar and watching some March Madness, you know? Yeah, they, but
1: it's not, well, yeah, I guess that that's socially acceptable.
0: Right. You know, there's, there's other reasons to go day drinking and mixing in some sports. One of my favorite days of the year is taking the Friday of uh, the Bridgestone Invitational down at Firestone and uh, hanging out on uh, the 16th hole down there with uh, a brew haha in my hand. So
1: there you go. But,
0: the weather sucks yeah. on opening day. Like, let's not lose sight of that. I, the last one I went to, they delayed the first pitch by, I think, two and a half hours or something like that, and once they finally did start playing, it was still miserable. And there was that game, I think, what was it, two years ago, where they let everybody into the stadium and delayed it for a couple hours before they just called the game? Was, wasn't was that, because you, weren't you at that one? I feel they like They didn't
1: delay it. They canceled it before... I don't know if they started letting people in. They never delayed it, though. They just canceled it. Okay. Um, but yeah, they may have opened the gates and then decided they were going to cancel. I don't know. I wasn't there yet. Um, but you that taking the day off
0: though—that's what it was. Yeah,
1: yeah. I was, yeah, I was hanging out at a buddy's apartment right there, having some drinks before the game. When I found out that they canceled, it, I was a little bit salted, a lot bit salty about that. <laughs> um, but last year, the weather was pretty nice. It was windy. It was chilly, but it wasn't terrible. I've been way worse outdoor sporting events um i i know that i had a better opening day experience last year than your old man Uh, (laughs) um but but that's i don't know the and they pushed it back a week this year it's not they're not opening day at home which I've always thought it was kind of weird. Like, it feels like they make the home opener a big deal, but the season's been going on for a week at that point in some cases. Well, this year they're starting
0: the Major League Baseball season in late March to try to build in some extra off days during the season. And about the only thing dumber than playing baseball in Cleveland in the first week of April is trying to play baseball in Cleveland in the last (laughs) week of March. So, Uh,
1: Yeah, they probably just need to, you know, maybe cut the schedule back like, six games. Um uh, if you if you want to force some extra days off in there, but um I don't I don't expect them to leave money on the table obviously. No. Um so I don't know. I guess there's just parts of it that I think don't don't feel great and and it's weird that I like I said I've just had way too much time on my hands because <laughs> I don't I was probably was not going to go. I don't know that I was even going to try to buy tickets on the public sale anyways um
0: but having the decision made for you
1: having it made for me i did not care for fair enough um uh, so i don't know i don't know that the indians truthfully the indians probably don't really care what the you know what me random guy who doesn't buy season tickets has to say um but i probably went to 15-ish games last year um and truthfully, the biggest reason I don't buy season tickets is because I can't tell you when I'm going to be able to go and when I'm not. Like, last year, pro- of the of the 12 to 15 games I went to, probably 85, probably all but one or two, I decided the day of. Like, oh, okay, I'm free. Let's go catch a game tonight. You know, it's I, I, I can't block out, especially weekdays and stuff, like, I can't block out that sort of time to go down there and go to games, which There's- is... Bummer! I would love to be able to, but I can't buy twenty. I can't commit myself to twenty games and know that I'm going to be able to go to them. And the resale market for tickets is terrible. So if you buy twenty games, you better go to all twenty games, or you're taking a bath.
0: I was going to say it—the uh, spur of the moment decision, day of the game, to, deciding to go—it uh, adds a layer of fun to it. It uh, the the impulse buy on a, on a baseball game. I remember one of my uh, regrets from last season was the. I think it was the last game in the big winning streak that Thursday night. I went to that one. You were awesome. at that one. I I tried and I think it sold out. And, um, yeah, I mean that, that was probably the, the, the best night of the whole year to be down at the park with the way oh, that, it was fantastic. All the circumstances <laughs> and the way that game ended. Yeah. it's.
1: yeah. That and outside of the playoff games, obviously that one was amazing. Opening day was awesome. You had a walk off from Brantley. um, yeah, but that's always – I mean if I'm sitting around on a Saturday and it's a nice day out, like tell my wife, hey, you want to go catch an Indians game? She'll usually say, yeah, we'll hop on, buy some tickets, and that's it, right? Like, But if I have 20 tickets to a game and I'm being like, OK, well, I got tickets this week. Got to make sure I can go. If I can't go, got to see if I can give them away or sell them. And if I sell them, I know I'm going to lose money on them. It's like – it's just kind of a chore to have season tickets, honestly. I went through it with the Cavs this year. And I'm not getting Cavs tickets again next year, um. So I, I don't know. I guess certain people it works for them. For me, it's just not, it's just not a model I can I can get with, unfortunately. And and unfortunately, that means I can't buy opening day tickets because I'm not spending 200 bucks for standing room only or whatever ungodly number it's up to.
0: Well, the silver lining with you with the Cavs is, you know, that even if you don't get season tickets ever again, your name is in the rafters in the middle layer of the championship banner from 2016, which I it think is, is one of the coolest fan perks I've ever heard of.
1: It is pretty legitimate. It's pretty cool. I'm not going to lie. Yeah.
0: <laughs> all right, my man. Uh, I think that's a good place to stop. What do you say?
1: You got nothing else? I, I, I don't. You had, I figured you had like a wild card in there for me.
0: No, you know, it. Uh, all right, all right. I, I don't think I do. Um, no. What, what, uh, what do you got? Any, any wild cards of your own there?
1: Dude, my, I'm, no, I'm losing my mind out here. I'm spending all day painting and doing garbage on this house. It's the worst. Well, it's the worst. I don't know why anybody ever buys houses.
0: you got to put on the uh, the TV in the background. you got Championship Week going on. There's going to be all sorts of games tomorrow at every major conference other than the Big Ten.
1: Yeah, buckle in. See who – oh, never mind. They finished last week. <laughs> Idiots.
0: That actually ended up being – good tournament they're not not it was so much a good for- tournament
1: but Jim Delaney's got to be sitting there right now like why the hell did we move it up a week just to play in Madison Square Garden
0: I don't think you'll be seeing that happen again anytime soon
1: do you think here's a do you think it will have any impact on the selection committee that's a good question do you um, think just perception for you know this team hasn't played in a week the last time we saw him was this they're not going to say it, but do you just think in the back of their heads it's, it's one of those things where, like, oh, I haven't seen them play recently, but this team just played. You know, if they're going up against other teams that are playing this weekend, is that going to hurt any Big Ten teams you think?
0: I do think the, the human element and being the team that can make the last impression and have a great showing this week. If there are two teams, you know, one of them playing this weekend and, you know, a Big Ten team that hasn't played in over a week. You're putting them side by side. Yeah, I, I think there's something to that.
1: Yeah, I mean, it, it, probably subconsciously. It's not something, you know, criteria-wise that they're going to put down, but that sort of recency bias is sort of unavoidable, I think.
0: Yeah, exactly. So, um, you know, we, actually I talked about this with, with Arkley the other night, but did you hear how they're doing the selection show this year? Yeah.
1: They're just releasing every team right off the bat and then breaking down the bracket?
0: Yeah, so it's going to be a two-hour show, which is instantly a recipe for disaster. And in the first 10 minutes, they're going to have all 68 teams that are in be revealed. And then over the course of, I think, the next hour, they're going to show the actual matchups, like who's playing who and what region and where they're going for the first round and stuff like that. So I don't know why they need to overcomplicate this thing and you can almost guarantee that somebody's going to leak a bracket out somewhere online before it ends up getting on television anyway. So I don't know. The whole thing is just kind of a silly, silly show at this point.
1: Even the football one where they're just revealing four teams, even that's a bit, bit excessive. Um, breaking down the 68 team bracket, like I get selection Sunday's cool, but no one's that interested in it. I mean, not nobody. There's obviously a segment that doesn't just want to know who's playing who, but wants to know, you know, who's favorite and by how many points and how do they play. And but, but outside of the degenerates, (laughs) no one really wants it broken down this much, right? They just want to know who it is and they want to go fill out their bracket. So I don't, I don't know. I don't. I'm with you. I don't think. I think two hours is.
0: They royally Wait. screwed it up two years ago, and I felt like they got it right last year, even though the bracket leaked online ahead of time. But, uh, well, this year it's on TBS instead of CBS, so we'll see if that makes a difference as well. But I don't know. All right. I've 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 had enough.
1: All right. Take it home. <laughs> okay.
0: You can uh, catch all of the episodes of uh, our fine podcast, including our episode earlier this week with uh, Jason Argley talking Mac basketball. Uh, on com, And we encourage you to go subscribe uh, in the podcast app on your iPhone. That uh, That's for all you iPhone users or uh, for you Android users. Google Play, and we are also on Stitcher as well. And go like our Facebook page, com slash The Nail Podcast. I think that will do it for us for this week. Going to see what we could come up with uh, next week. Maybe talk a little March Madness, who knows what else. So for Travis Hewley, I'm Tom Valentino. Spin the nail in the
2: coffin, and we will talk to you again soon. Have you ever wanted to know how to win a Formula One Grand Prix? I mean, really know. Know about the driver tactics from the cockpit, the strategy calls from the pit wall, and even the mind games in the paddock.